All of that being said, would you stand as I read Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 1 through verse 13. And this is the word of the Lord. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians and Medes, Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. Let's pray. God, we praise you today for everything. When we begin to count the innumerable blessings that we have been given just getting here today, the sun rising, breath in our lungs, hearts beating in our chests, all of grace, that we have seen lives transformed by the power of your gospel, all of grace, that we are here singing your praises, inviting your presence. It's of your grace. And now that we might hear from God Almighty through your word, all of grace. So help us to hear. Would you give us ears that are opened, hearts that are softened, eyes that are awakened. And Father, I now pray that whatever proceeds from this mouth that is not of you would fall to the floor and remain unheard. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Lord Jesus, you said heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will never pass away. So Lord, speak to us. Speak, O Lord, we only ask because you have promised to do so. Speak, Father. Your children are listening. Have mercy in the name of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Everything changes today for on probably hopefully on, on multiple accounts, but uh, we're going to shift what we're doing. I say we, it's predominantly me. I just feel more comfortable plural first person rather than the singular, but I'm going to change what we're doing. Um, we've been following our reading plan. Uh, we have a church reading plan. That's the, the McShane uh, reading plan where we're reading about four chapters a week, uh, excuse me, four chapters a day. Some of you wish it was four chapters a week, um, but four chapters a day, roughly. And I've been preaching from that and I've just been sort of burdened about uh, the kind of scattershot approach to scripture. And so here's the plan. Lord willing, this is what we're going to do through the end of the year. 
Uh, we're going to spend about eight weeks in Acts, the book of Acts, uh, entitled The Next Chapter, and I'll talk about that in just a second. And then the next 16 after that, which will bring us to December 26th. So you know now that I'm not going to preach from Luke 2, okay, just on Christmas season. I'll mention it. It'll be in there. But we're going to be towards the end of the Gospel of Mark at that time. But so eight weeks in Acts, 16 weeks in the Gospel of Mark, right? So that's a chap, basically a chapter a week. We're going to kind of motor through two books of the New Testament, uh, two longer books. So that being said, uh, there's no way that we're going to cover all of Acts in eight weeks, Okay. Uh, We're going to kind of look at some highlights and talk about some sections, Uh, but we're looking at the book of Acts because I think it accords well with where we are as a church and where we are as a church broad brush in America coming out of or or, we're still in. We're coming off of of COVID, the COVID pandemic, like the next chapter. As we look at the beginning of Acts, if you were to read, and this was part of our reading this week, the church is becoming is is forming after Jesus. Um, Jesus, the son of God, who took on the sins of the world, died upon the cross, rose from the grave. And then at the beginning of the book of Acts, it records for us that he doesn't stay on earth, that he what does he do? He ascends. He goes up that he is seated at the right hand of God the Father, that he enters into glory. And so that now there are, we learn in chapter 1, there are 120 disciples, including the 12 apostles, or 11 who become 12, after Judas betrays. There's a man named Matthias who is elected to take his place. 120 that are gathered praying, and they're in a holding pattern. They don't know what to do next. All they have is the Lord's promise. All they have is that God has promised, the Lord has promised, He has sent them to Jerusalem to wait for power. He sends them to Jerusalem to wait for power, to wait for strength, to wait for ability. That right now they are a fledgling group, a group of misfits, nobodies who who are frightened. They're hiding behind locked doors and they are hiding from the authorities. They're unsure of the future. They're unsure of what is next. And I think as we are in this season, some of us want to just hop over 2020 and go back to 2019 and restart. And just say, let's keep doing what we were doing in 2019. But dear ones, it doesn't work like that. You know this. Life doesn't work like that. We go through seasons, good seasons, bad seasons, and we, as much as we would like to either forget those seasons or return to those seasons, when the past is the past, it is past. When the past is the past, it is past. We can't reclaim it. We can remember it. We can learn from it. We can ask the Lord what he might be teaching us from it, but there's no returning and there's no turning back as much as you want to. You can't get on your, uh, there's an old clock on my parents' mantle that hasn't been wound in probably 30 years. And I don't know, they're here, they can answer for themselves. Uh, But as much as you want to, if you were to even tick that clock backwards, it would not make time go backwards. And so the church here can't go back. 
Peter and James and John and the rest of them, they can't go back to when Jesus was walking the streets of Nazareth and going through Galilee and in Jerusalem, teaching in the temple and raising the dead and casting out demons. They can remember those things. They can consider those things. They can cherish the person of Jesus, remember the teachings and the power and what he is going to do. But there was no going back. And so there's a sense in which as they are waiting that it might be very easy to grow impatient. But as they wait, they pray. And we'll talk about that in a moment. But if you want a banner over this, a banner over this sermon, and it's in, if you have a handout, it's on that little handout that's in the middle of your bulletin. The Holy Spirit provides the power that the church, that we need to obey Jesus's mission directive. The Holy Spirit provides the power. He is the engine. Uh, power is often said by preachers that this is the, the, the word power here in Acts 1.8 and also in Luke chapter 24, uh, that the, the power there, the word is dunamis, and this is where we get our word dynamite, but it's important that you don't just think that, it, that the power of the Spirit blows stuff up. It is explosive and it is uh, generating of a church, but it doesn't just blow stuff up. Okay, so don't just it's not TNT, um, even if you listen to ACDC on the way here. Few of you, few of you know who ACDC is. I'm proud of you. Um, So the spirit gives us power and the power comes point one. The power comes by God's promise. The power that God provides comes through or by God's promise. What does that mean? Why is that significant? Why do we begin there? Because if we, in a, in a different season, but a similar one, where we might feel like we're in a waiting pattern, or maybe you personally, you feel like you are in a waiting pattern, and you need the power of God to explosively, or maybe subtly, propel you into the new season... You need the power of God. You need what is promised by Jesus. He promises it. One, in Luke chapter 24, I alluded to. I don't have it marked, but one second. Uh, 24, uh, 49. And behold, I am Jesus speaking to his disciples. I am sending you the promise of my father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power. From on high. So as much as the church wanted to scatter, they would like to run back to their fishing vessels, which they did immediately after the resurrection. They could not go back. But Jesus says, wait until I'm going to do what I'm going to do. You are going to receive power. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And Acts 1-8 really serves as the outline for the book of Acts. You see each of those chapters lived out. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth, pushing through the book of Acts so that the power of the Holy Spirit is intricately involved, it's intricately involved in the mission of Jesus' church. That without the Spirit, there is no mission. But we have the power of the Spirit for the sake of the mission. To be His witnesses to the end of the earth. 
that Jesus sends his spirit and he goes into, there's all sorts of things. I don't have time to unpack all the glories of the Holy Spirit. But here in the book of Acts, in Acts 1 and Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes by the promise of Jesus for the sake of the mission. And two things you need to know if it's, if it's a, by the promise of God. One, if it's by the promise of God, if we receive the person of the Holy Spirit into our midst by the promise of God, then it, one, is of grace. That the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, he is a person. He is a gift of God's grace. He is not present among us because of our abilities and because of our work. We don't churn up the Spirit by works of the flesh. We live in the Spirit by the promise of God. So it's of grace. His presence among us for the mission of Jesus is of grace. And I feel like I'm buttressing against kind of alternate views. Everybody's kind of, some people are super, super skittish about the Holy Spirit because they've seen abuses of, of things. And then some people are sort of kind of over the top and trying to churn up the presence of the Spirit. And I'm trying to nestle us where the Bible might have us. And say that we have the Spirit among us for the power and to, by grace, to do what Jesus tells us to do. So, it's by grace. Secondly, the way that you receive the power of God is the same way, in the Spirit, is the same way that you receive the Gospel. If it's by the promise of God, and the promise of God is of grace, then we receive the gift of the Spirit by faith. You understand? We receive the gospel, good news of Jesus Christ, as we learn later in Acts chapter 2 after Peter's Pentecost sermon. Those who would hear him there, they're cut to the heart, we learn, in 37, 38, somewhere in there, verse 37, 38. They're cut to the heart, and they say, what shall we do? And Peter says to them, repent and believe. That the invitation to you this morning is that if you have not believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus, that you would leave off your sins and trust in what God has done for you in Jesus. In the same way, we have to believe in the power of God that He is amongst us for His glory and for our good and for the aim that He has given His church, namely, to make His name known here and to the nations that we have received the Spirit for God's glory by His grace. So it comes to us by God's promise for the sake of witness. Secondly, prayer postures us to receive God's power. As I said, if you're going to receive God's power in the Holy Spirit, you must believe. There is no power of the Holy Spirit for those who do not believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus. And in fact, Scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that the very confession of faith, Jesus is Lord... If I were to say Jesus is Lord and actually believe it, that's a product of the Holy Spirit. No one can say, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 3, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit of God. But prayer postures us in faith, and maybe postures is a weird word to you, maybe positions is a helpful word. 
But if we're saying we need God's power, we need God's power for the season in which he's placed us. You might want for me, like I, you guys know me, I, I love history. I, I would love sometimes uh, I believe I used to believe at least before this sermon. I used to believe that I was meant for like a different age, you know, uh, 1800s. Just would just keep my electricity and running water and refrigeration and all the, the amenities. But that season back then. Um, and sometimes we are overwhelmed by the season in which God has placed us. And yet we know that we're here by his design and by his plan, Christian. He would have you in no other, no other town and no other year than Elgin, South Carolina in 2021. And even if you don't live here, you, he would have you in no other spot than right here, right now. And when we look at the, the surging forces of darkness around us, it's a daunting thing, and we, we might be left like this, this, the disciples, hunkering down. Hunkering down, let's, let's just do what we have to do to keep things running. Let's just do what we have to do just to, to keep the lights on, keep the yard mode, just keep, just keep the course. Let's not get too crazy. Pack it in, bolt the doors, and wait it out. Well, dear ones, the cultural storm in which we find ourselves will not be waited out. And if we try to wait it out, we'll die in the process. What we need is power from on high to do what Jesus has called us to do. Power comes to us, right, in the Holy Spirit. But Romans chapter 1 reminds us that the power of God in our midst is a function of the gospel. Romans 1, 26, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. First for the Jew, and then for the Greek, for the, for the non-Jew. So the power of God is operative in us as we cling to the gospel, believe the gospel, preach the gospel, share the gospel, live under the gospel, and if we're going to position ourselves to live out gospel power, we must humbly bow our knees in prayer. We see this in chapter 1 and verse 14, that all these with one accord, all these who have gathered after Jesus' ascension, it's a list of the disciples except for Judas, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. They were devoting themselves. They were dedicated, not just individually, but together in prayer. You know what doesn't jive with prayer? Pride. If we are proud people, we will not bend our knee. We will not believe we need Jesus. We will not believe we need his power to do what he calls us to do. We must throw our pride in the trash heap and we must humbly come to the Lord. Humble yourselves before the Lord. Together. And I could spend, we could, we could tell stories of how God has answered prayer. But there are three instances that I want to point to from when this church gathered together in prayer and the power of God on display. Okay, are you ready? Some of these people might be in here. Kayla, hey, sorry, I'm not going to embarrass you. Maybe, don't be embarrassed. Uh, 
Kayla had a time, and she was in ICU for a long time. Uh, and she was, she was struggling. I'm not going give to give you her whole story. Um, but she was struggling. And we, and we gathered. On, it was on a Tuesday. Um, I think it was shortly before 7. It was right around 7. And she was not doing well. And we gathered. And it was members from our church and members from other churches. And we prayed. And I remember getting up here. And I said, uh, what if we could say at, and I look, we used to have a clock back here, which they took down. So I, don't, I have no idea what time it is. I have no idea uh, how long this is going. So don't judge me. Get on them back there. Um, but I said, I looked up and I said, what would we do if, if it's, it's at 7.04, I believe it was. If at 7.04, God did something and she began to get better and she began to improve. And lo and behold, you could go ask Monty Carter. It was, he said, it was sometime after 7, shortly after 7. That God began and she began to improve. Dear ones, this is the power of God until we see not just that's a, that was a dire need. But when we begin to see God's power is needed for me to grow in grace and for me to love Jesus and for me to, to interact with my neighbor across the street and to hold a cookout so that people come. I need the power of God. We begin to pray desperately. God hears Desperate prayer. The second one is very recent, and it's two instances from the missions weekend. And I, we gathered here on Saturday night, and we had, a, we had a small crowd compared to the rest of the conference. Uh, we did our very first missions conference this year. Praise God, we're sched- I'm going to schedule it for next year. We're going to do it again. But we had a time of prayer and praise, uh, and I shared a sort of a short-ish devotion um, but we prayed for we prayed for three things. We prayed that God would help us reach our community, which I think He's doing. That God would provide the way for us to partner with the a Vietnamese church plant. And so, what's happening there is that we are partnering with three or four, uh, four or five other churches in our area to plant a Vietnamese church, probably in Northeast Colombia. Because there's four or five, six thousand Vietnamese people in Columbia, South Carolina that have no evangelical church. There's no gospel preaching, gospel believing church in their language. So we're partnering with these other churches and we were praying that night because two of the other pastors were in Portland of that of those churches. They were in Portland interviewing a potential church planner, a Vietnamese man and his wife, his family, who had done this sort of work in Portland and I think somewhere in Canada, and they were, were trying to bring him here to do that. That weekend, while we're here praying on a Saturday, they're meeting with, his name's Charlie Nguyen, they were meeting with him on a Saturday, and you know what message I got on Sunday? That Charlie was going to come, and he was going to pl- do the work here as we support God answers prayer, that he rose up a, someone to come who knows Vietnamese, who is Vietnamese, to plant a church here so that people will praise the name of the Lord Jesus. The other one that weekend was, if you remember, we're supporting Kevin Abbott, and I think they are early August, they are on their way to Mongolia. He and Lisa and their whole gaggle of children um, and they've, they've been praying and they've been laboring, raising support. And they came in the weekend. I want to say it was low 90s, right? 92, 94. I don't remember. They, they were around 92, 94% of what they needed monthly. 
You understand? They had to, they had to reach 100% of their monthly uh, needs in pledges. So they, they needed people to sign up and say, we're going to support you $10, $20, $100 a month, whatever, uh, until they reached their, their number 100%. And then they could go. They came in at 92, 94%. And we prayed. He was at this, this, this prayer meeting. And we prayed together as a church. And we've been praying. And they, that night or the next day, he got a call that a house church in Texas was going to support them for however much a month. Uh, and it was going to raise them up to 98%. So just over, over a weekend, they're on the cusp. And now they're obviously they've reached it and they're going to be going soon. But God, and, and those are mission-centric prayers. We could tell the stories of God, you know, and, and it's not of us. Some of, and some of you have been there. Where I go into a, a hospital room, and one, in, one instance, I'm not going to give you any names. I go into a hospital room, a guy who is in his 40s, has, a, has blocked arteries, and is about to, he's, they're thinking he's going to have to have, uh, at the very least, stents, but possibly open heart surgery. Before the, uh, the, he's there for a heart cath to see exactly what's going on. And I go in with the family. I pray. I pray that God would be glorified. I pray that God, if you, if you would will it, he would heal. And they go in and they don't find it. Tell me what our God can't do. Humble, desperate prayer. And sometimes God uses the storms around us to finally cause his people to bend their knees and cry out to God. And if there's a season when the people of God must cry out for his power and his strength, is there another one? This is the day. So I would encourage you as we gather on Wednesdays and we gather as a church. And I'm thinking about planning. I haven't told this to anybody else. So here's the alert. Uh, but, but maybe some just having a special night, maybe a Tuesday night, random night. Uh, that we're going to gather, we're going to sing praises to the Lord, and we're going to pray for specific things. We'll pray for specific needs, healing, strength, those who are grieving, but we'll also pray for specific things for our church and for our community and for the mission of God around the world. And then we're going to wait and see. All of a sudden, our waiting is transformed in the context of prayer. These who are gathered there, could you imagine what they're feeling as they've seen Jesus go up? And you've got to be thinking, well, he said this, but what do we do now? But dear ones, when we come and lay out our burdens, our desires, and our desires are lining up with his glory and his kingdom, we can just wait with bated breath at what our God will do. Third point. Power, first, power comes to us by God's promise. Prayer postures us, positions us to receive God's power. Point number three, power is given to proclaim. It's given to obey. As they have gathered here in chapter two, there's 120. We're assuming by the language that this isn't just the 12 apostles, but that this is the 120 who are gathered and they're waiting on Pentecost. Pentecost is... If you're a, a math person, you might see the prefixed there, penta, and it's 50 days after Passover. So this is 50 days 
after the Lord's Supper, after Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper in the upper room, he says, here, my body's broken for you. Take and eat it. This is the cup, the the blood of the, the new covenant. Drink it in remembrance of me. Fifty days later, the church is gathered and they're waiting. And we can assume here, though it doesn't say it in chapter two, that they continue to pray. And it's there as they are gathering and as they're praying, this miraculous moment comes and there's this loud rushing wind and the entire house is full of noise. You almost get a sense of Elijah on the mountainside with the the whirlwind. And tongues of fire spread out among them on each of them. Now, in this room, again, we're assuming it's the 120. The tongues of fire represent not just the languages that are about to be spoken, but it symbolizes, visualizes the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That John the Baptist said, when the Lord Jesus comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So this is the reception of Jesus' blood-bought promise for his church. Here is the Holy Spirit. He comes in power, but he lands on each individual. It's one fire falling upon everyone. But everyone exercises it differently. Not everybody there is one of the 12 apostles. But it doesn't mean they haven't received the Holy Spirit. It's the same way that happens in the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We've all been baptized into the same spirit, but there's a bunch of different gifts. Some of us are better at one thing than another. Some of us are made to be preachers and some of us are made to be teachers and some of us are made to be administrators. Some of us are made to serve unthanked. Some of us are made to to love and to hold faith and have discernment. There's so many different gifts and there's, there's different offices, but the Holy Spirit fuels and builds all of them and he falls on all. That the Holy Spirit is given to all who believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus. Because again, kind of backtracking, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. He is not a special gift for the super spiritual. The Holy Spirit and His power and His ministry is given to every Christian. So much so that when Paul again, to the Corinthian believers, twice in that first letter he, he refers to them... As a temple of God, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me take a breath. (laughs) Twice in that letter, early on in chapter 3 and then later on in chapter 6, the first time it's a together, it's a plural. You together are the temple of God. Chapter 6, you individually are a temple of God. It's an individual singular language. So that every single Christian is a temple of God by the indwelling power and gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't have time in the sermon, sermon to talk about how we might quench the Spirit, grieve the Spirit, walk, not keep in step with the Spirit, all the things that the Scriptures tells, tell us about living in the Spirit. But we need to know that the Holy Spirit is not just for the super spiritual, but that He is for all of us. And he is given so that we can do that which God has given you to do and to me to do. Do you understand? You might be an eye. I might be a pinky toe on the foot. 
But we have the same spirit, but we might function in different ways. But we are given the spirit so that we might obey. And so that we might in the places and the times and the manner where the Lord has us, that we might witness to the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of us, we are given and trusted with pulpits and others of us with dining room tables and some of us with cubicles or corner offices, but you've been entrusted and placed in the place that you are right now to make Jesus known there. By the way that you work and the way that you speak, the way that you serve other people. I'm not just saying that you, if you do have a cubicle, that you have to stand up on your desk and look down on all the other cubicles and begin to preach a message. It might not, I don't know how your HR department would like that very much. But you can do your work well as to the glory of God. You can listen to your superiors, your bosses. You can serve other people. You could clean, I don't know, you could clean up the mess. You could do their copies. You could do something for them. Bring them lunch. Say it's in Jesus' name. Pray for the Lord, that, to the Lord, that he might give you grace. There, Francis Schaeffer, who was a, he's just awesome. Good guy. He died a while ago. But great Christian apologist. But he has this little book uh, called The Beginning of It. I think it's just a collection of little uh, essays or sermons or something. But he said the, the title of it is There Are No Little People. And this is the quote from it. Um, he says, With God, there are no little people and there are no little places. With God, there are no little people and there are no little places. If you are a Christian today, by the grace of God, repented of your sins, believed upon the name of the Lord Jesus, you have been given the Holy Spirit of God. You've been set right with God. God is making you holy. He has brought you into his family so that you who were once dead in your sins and trespasses, an enemy of God, he has now made you his son or daughter by the grace of God in Jesus. Here is the power of God making his enemies his friends. And dear ones, for whomever that is true, you are not a little person in a little place. Nobody may know your name. You might do what you do under the radar, forgotten by everybody. But I can promise you this. You are not forgotten by the God who has made you and saved you. And you are there on purpose. There are no little people and there are no little places. Finally, the power of the Holy Spirit displayed is that all here. So much of our passage that I read this morning lists out the effects. The Holy Spirit comes and anoints this gathering and they begin to utter. They begin to speak as the Spirit gives them utterance, as the Spirit gives them ability, begins to give them language. And there in Jerusalem, there were people gathered for Pentecost. This is listed in the Old Testament as the festival, the Feast of Weeks. Basically a harvest festival. Um, And they were gathered in Jerusalem for that festival. And they were gathered from all of these different places. Just, Just take a trip with me. We have Parthians and Medes and Elamites who would be from modern Iran. Then you have Residents of Mesopotamia, which would be modern Iraq. You have Judea, which is where Jerusalem is there in the, um, that strip of land surrounding Jerusalem and Judea. And then you have uh, 
Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, all of those places show up in Acts chapter 13 through 20. This is talking about if you had a map there, if, if this is um, Israel and this is the, the end of the Mediterranean Sea and it goes up and this is modern day Turkey, it was called Asia or Asia Minor in the scriptures. These are all of those places where Paul and Barnabas and Silas and all those guys are going to go bring the gospel. And then there's Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene. So you have going east to Iran, you have Iraq, you have modern-day Turkey, and now you have North Africa. That's Egypt, which you would know, parts of Libya, which you know belonging to Cyrene. This is just a, um, an ancient place there. So you have sur- basically surrounding the Mediterranean on north and south and east that all of these people have gravitated in. And they're there to hear, not just them, but Jews and proselytes. So people who are, have their native descent from Abraham and the tribes of, um, of Israel, or, and those who have come from Gentile groups and are, have, have become Jewish. They've proselytized. They've, they've converted over. Cretans from the Isle of Crete and Arabians, which would be modern, the Arabian Peninsula, Saudi Arabia. All of these people. You can consider even today how many different languages are spoken in in the Mediterranean basin all the way over to Iran. I don't have that number for you, but that's a lot of different languages even today. And there was a lot of different languages even then. And they all heard. This is the power of God and it showcases in this instance. Known languages, this is, I'm not talking about the rest of the New Testament, but in Acts chapter 2, known languages so that people hear the gospel and they have an opportunity to believe. Power of the Holy Spirit is displayed. And that all of these people, they're bewildered in verse 6, they're amazed and astonished in verse 7, they're amazed and perplexed in verse 12. Their heads are blowing up because they're hearing and seeing Christ amongst his people. And while Pentecost is a one-time thing, I'm not talking about the Spirit, it's not a one-time thing. This is a one-time thing. But we continue to have the overlapping of it for the rest of the age of the church where the Spirit equips His people for the work that is given. And if there is any season where we are seeing the world opened up before us, it is this one. I mean, we're helping as a church, and in a moment, no pressure in the business meeting, I'm going to ask you to support a Vietnamese church plant in Columbia, South Carolina. We have, Lord willing, a Vietnamese church plant. We have multiple Korean churches, multiple Chinese churches. There's a Burmese church. There's a Haitian church. And I'm sure there's more that I've forgotten and I don't know of. But God has brought the nations in. And then we have the gift of technology and the internet. The world is opened. The adversary is using it. Why can't the children of the kingdom? Dear ones, we have such an opportunity before us. But we need God's power. For the mission that he has given. And you need God's power individually. Maybe this morning you need God's power to be delivered from addiction. You need God's power to be delivered from a habit of destruction and of sin. And I want you to know that he's good for it. That he is able to save. He is willing to save. 
And everyone who comes to the Lord Jesus, he will not cast out. Maybe you feel the the weight today simply of your sin, that you are a rebel before God. You've never turned from your sin. You've only lived for yourself. You've lived for your flesh. You've lived for your fame. You've lived for your glory. And maybe you're beginning to see how bankrupt that path is. How it will not lead you to pleasure. It will not lead you to satisfaction. And it will lead you to hell. And I want you to know that there are arms wide open. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary. I will give you rest. If you would but come to him. Christian, maybe you've been overwhelmed these days. And you're feeling like you need to get into your Christian bunker. You need to get into your Christian bubble and just wait it out till glory. And some of you might be thinking the days are short for me anyways. The Lord could call me home. I've been on this earth for however many decades. I'm ready to go. Well, praise God, you're ready to go. But he's not ready for you yet. He's got work for you to do. Work for the kingdom until you go home. Work for the king until you can go home. Because Jesus has died and he has risen. He's ascended and he will come again. And the power we know in the Holy Spirit is but a foretaste of what he is going to do when he makes all things new. When we look up and we see the new heavens and the new earth descending and the new Jerusalem and God making all things new. When we walk on the streets of gold by the crystal sea and we are sin free, sorrow free, Satan free. All by the glory, by the grace of God, for the glory of God. But today... Trust him. Believe his promise and have new life. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would have free reign in this place among these hearts and these minds to do your work. That, Lord, in this moment that you would stir us up to leave our sin and to cherish Jesus. That you would humble us to see our need for your strength and for your power. For we cannot do this apart from you. But whatever it is, O Lord, would you work? And would your will be done? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.